This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 2262. Four Absurdly Easy Things That I Do To Make Life Disproportionately Better by David Kane of raptitude.com. And I'm Dr. Neil, your host. Hello and welcome back to another bonus Sunday episode. This is where I share an episode from one of the other podcasts in our network where we read articles to you. Today's post comes from my brother's podcast, Optimal Living Daily, where articles covering mindfulness, personal development, and minimalism are read to you every day. You can find and subscribe to or follow that podcast by searching for Optimal Living Daily wherever you're listening to this. Now with that, here's my brother, Justin, with the post and his commentary as we optimize your life. Four Absurdly Easy Things I Do That Make Life Disproportionately Better by David Kane of raptitude.com. Lots of the things we spend our energy on are worthwhile, but some are a better deal than others. The benefits of my weight routine, for example, are worth much more than the effort it takes, but that effort is still pretty significant. You have to lift a 200-pound barbell quite a few times for anything good to happen. There are a few things I do, and sometimes still fail to do, that take almost no effort and somehow make my life significantly better. As far as I can tell, these four small things are the best deal going. Number one, shining the sink before bed. I don't know where or when, but I remember reading about someone who swore that her habit of shining her sink before bed was the linchpin of her productivity and well-being. I have tried it and can corroborate her ridiculous claim. Readers have since pointed out that this is from the fly lady. Making your morning coffee beside a shiny sink is an empowering, self-affirming experience. Making coffee beside a dull sink containing even a single dirty fork sitting in a puddle is comparatively draining and dehumanizing. Add a stray bloated noodle or two and it becomes strangely life-destroying. In my experience, one of two different people emerge from that coffee-making process depending on the condition of the sink. One of them is sharp and ready for life. The other must fight his way to his desk from under some great existential weight 
some grimy psychic debris that's inseparable from the maroon super remnants that greeted him this morning. The sun is his enemy, not his ally, and all his work will be uphill today. Different things probably need different techniques. Mine is stainless steel and I use one of those magic white pads with a bit of comet and water. Wipe down the rim and any chrome fixtures with spray and a dry cloth. Takes 40 seconds. Might change your life. Number two, going outside with absolutely no plan. At some point in my adult life, I developed a strange, seemingly self-defeating habit at the supermarket. I wouldn't bother crossing the store to get the last item on my list. Part of me knew that leaving that one thing would make it necessary to walk six blocks to the corner store the next day. This was my subconscious screaming for help. The quiet, wise part of my mind sabotaged my efficient supermarket routine in order to create an excuse to travel somewhere by foot. I now see outdoor walking as an essential nutrient. It shouldn't require an excuse. What we need to excuse ourselves from is the kind of perverse post-industrial arrangement where it is even possible to spend a whole day without traveling any significant distance outside on foot. Fresh air and bodily movement are always healthy, of course, but to get the full, disproportionately worthwhile benefits of neighborhood walking, it is essential that you don't know where you're going. If you have a destination or even a regular walking routine, then you risk making the walking itself into a task, something to be done with, rather than something to do. When I step out of the building, I don't know if I'm going to turn left or right until I'm doing it. I've gone on hundreds of these destination-less walks, and a regular route has not emerged. It turns out my body knows how to create a closed polygon without my mind having to think about it. There's something life-affirming about any enterprise in which you rely on moment-to-moment intuition instead of planning. And it's just a walk, so you can't muck anything up too badly. At every corner, you just turn whichever way you feel like, or maybe continue straight ahead. Let your feet decide. You'll end up at home somehow. Number three, sitting on the floor and doing nothing for a little while. Blaise Pascal famously said that all human miseries arise from our inability to do this. But I think it's really just an unwillingness. He's right about the arising miseries though, not knowing how to deliberately do nothing is a crippling disease that leads to bizarre self-defeating phenomena like workaholism, cigarette smoking, rude smartphone behavior, and eventually war and pestilence. Sitting on the floor and doing nothing isn't exactly difficult, but it feels very foreign at first. We are so attuned to being constantly doing, acting, evaluating, and improving that to fully stop in this way feels almost as radical as turning off your ignition at a red light and putting your feet up, although it's a lot less disruptive to society. I'm sneakily suggesting some kind of meditation here, but the point is you can make your non-doing as formal or informal as you like. You can do it Zen style with a prescribed posture and technique, or you can just lean back and listen to the birds and the hum of the fridge for eight minutes. I do this for 20 minutes a day, sometimes less, sometimes more. But even five minutes a day of being on the floor is more than worthwhile, even one minute. Any amount of stopping, settling, and noticing that we can offer our goal-addled minds goes a long way. There's no reason to make it into a self-serious, mystical activity. Non-doing is very practical and simple, and often it's the assumed hyper-seriousness that drives people away from all forms of meditation. This let's not be uptight about it perspective is the basis for Camp Calm, which of course I think you should look into. You're just sitting on the floor, 
noticing what it's like to be sitting on the floor, maybe using a technique to further simplify it. If you do it for a week or two, you'll wonder how you ever got along without any dedicated floor time. Number four, putting my phone over there. What a difference four feet makes. By over there, I only mean any location in three-dimensional space that isn't reachable without getting up. On top of the bookshelf, on the nightstand in the bedroom, in that little bowl where you dump your keys and change. And suppose there are people out there who only pick up their smartphone with the idea of accomplishing some specific tasks, such as Googling a Jeopardy question or even using it to phone someone. But I'm guessing most of you have noticed that pulling out your phone can become a kind of reflex, a conditioned defensive maneuver triggered without deliberation by a boring or challenging present moment. Within seconds, you're in your familiar haven, cuddling with Reddit or Twitter, never having consciously decided to. This reflex is how I know it's time to give up on a TV series. When I notice myself reading tweets during the quieter scenes, clearly I'm wasting my time on this earth. I'm sure the strength of the impulse varies from person to person, but I know my own phone-related reflexes have become almost robotic. When I'm surfing the web on my laptop and the page seems to be taking more than one second, already my hand is searching for my phone to rescue me from the specter of having to exercise patience. Only when I look for my device and see it over there across the room on a table, does it occur to me that it is possible not to pick up and touch this plastic rectangle every time I feel like it. I'm exaggerating, only a little bit. You just listened to the post titled, Four Absurdly Easy Things I Do That Make Life Disproportionately Better by David Kane of raptitude.com. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thank you to David. I think my mom does the kitchen sink daily before bed. It's a good routine to have. I always appreciate a clean sink in the morning and can relate to that feeling he described and what a difference it makes. Although I think that applies to most things in the house. If it's minimal and clean compared to cluttered and dirty, there's a big sense of relief and calm compared to stress and overwhelm. I've mentioned it before, for me, my workspace can be a reflection of my inner self. If it's like cluttered around my desk, then usually my brain feels cluttered too. And this might be a case of the chicken or the egg. I'm not sure if feeling cluttered in the brain causes my desk to get cluttered or it's the other way around. But for me, there's definitely a correlation there. And the kitchen is another one of those spots. But these really are easy to try. So if one stood out to you, try it out and see if it sticks. It can have a massive impact with a tiny amount of work. 
if you even wanna call it work. So let me know how it goes. Thanks for listening. Hope you're having a great day. I'll be back tomorrow for the Friday show where your optimal life awaits.